May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear. Dirty hands. They could be hands that are dirty from good, honest labor. Mechanics get their hands dirty every day, and there's no shame in it. It comes with the territory. The farmer may come home with his or her uh, body covered with dirt and, and dust and sod for, and, and, and mess from their day's work each and every day working in the fields. And we honor him or her because they help feed the world. There is no disgrace in having dirty hands, unless, of course, we mean it in that metaphorical way, that, that, that symbol way, and that is her hands, things like her hands are soiled with dishonesty or greed. Uh, if the banker or the politician or the preacher have dirty hands, it's usually a serious matter. The disciples were eating with dirty hands. At least the Pharisees thought so. And some of the disciples didn't, hadn't performed that ritual that I talked about with the kids. They hadn't washed their hands before they ate. Now, why? I don't know. Maybe because of their background. Remember, some of them were fishermen. Fishermen probably didn't do all the nice stuff that all the fine, refined folks did in that day. And they, live in, and they lived in kind of a different world. You might say they lived in the real world, but it bothered the Pharisees. They didn't like this. The Pharisees, you see, were very, very big on appearance. I mean, if someone doesn't stand up for good taste, what will happen to us? There are certain traditions that must be maintained. Somebody has to save our culture and our good taste, right? It's easy to ridicule the Pharisees and to put them down. But they were the people who did maintain some standards. They were keepers of tradition. And I think you all know that I, don't, I believe tradition is important. And I believe tradition is a part of our worship experience as well as our daily lives that is often important, but not first. Mark tells us that the disciples were eating with dirty hands and the scribes and the Pharisees were upset. And then he gives this little, if you noticed it was in parentheses, his little editorial comment. He says that they, it, it said, the Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze, kennel, bronze kettles. Now tradition is an interesting subject. It has its pluses. And Mark's editorial comment was, who, who noticed that? What did Mark say about this? Nobody noticed? Rhonda, any chance of you going back to that? I want the, I, I want where it said, where Mark, in parentheses, what Mark's comment was. It's the only part of the scripture that's in parentheses. Oh, I guess it's not. Keep going. <laughs> There's another parenthesis. Keep going. I just wanted to go. He was a speed reader. One more time. 
fast it. Okay. All food is clean. Now, as I said, tradition is an interesting subject. It has its pluses. It has helped our Jewish friends maintain uh, their identity over thousands of years. And it sure sounds like they had some good ideas about personal hygiene. Tradition had its positives. It also has its minuses. Someone has described its minuses like this. You take five monkeys, you put them in a cage. You hang a banana on a string in the cage, and then you put in a set of stairs leading up to the banana, okay? The first monkey that starts to climb up to get the banana, as soon as he hits the first step, you spray the rest of the monkeys with cold water. And then the monkey tries again, and the same thing happens. You do the same thing. As soon as he hits that step, spray him with cold water. After that second time, what usually happens is the rest of the monkeys will stop him, won't let him take that step. They will at attack him if they have to, but he will not go up that, he won't, he won't go up that step again. The second monkey, do that all the way with all five monkeys at, at various times when they feel like they need to go up there. When they go to go up those stairs, spray them with cold water. Well, after they all attempt to do that, they will all stop. And none of them will ever try to go up there and get that banana again. Next, take a new monkey, replace it with one of the original monkeys, or replace it, take the, one of the originals out. When that new monkey gets in there, he's gonna see that banana and he's gonna go for it, right? Well, guess what's gonna to happen to him? He's gonna get attacked, right? So he's not gonna go up those steps after he gets attacked a few times. Do that with all five of the original monkeys. Now you've got five new monkeys in the cage none of which will go up that set of stairs. After you replace them all, keep in mind that not one of those monkeys has ever been sprayed with cold water, but they will not go up those stairs even though there's a delicious banana hanging right there. Why not? Why won't they? Any ideas? Why? Okay, but they don't know why they can't go up there. Because as far as they know, that's the way it's always been. We don't do it that way. We don't go up those stairs. What am I trying to say here? Let's be careful. Let's be careful about that worshiping tradition. It's fine to maintain tra tradition. Tradition is important as long as it doesn't keep us from being effective in the present, in the now. The disciples were defiling the sacred traditions by skipping a ritual of washing their hands. And this upset the Pharisees. 
Religious traditional traditionists still get upset about things that are really insignificant today. They were important back then, but not now. Back in 1904, 10-year-old Virginia Carey Hudson wrote these words as part of a school essay on etiquette at church. She says, Before I go into the house of the Lord with praise and thanksgiving, I lift up mine eyes unto the town clock, from whence cometh the time to see if I am late. It is not etiquette to be late. Do not hop, skip, jump, or slide in the church vestibule. Tiptoe. Tiptoe all the way to your seat. Be sure and don't sit in other people's pews. Jesus wouldn't care, but other people do. And that's the point, isn't it? God didn't care. He didn't care that the disciples ate with unwashed hands, but other people did. A church growth specialist whose name is Bill Esom wrote a book that I read a few years back called Sacred Cows Make Gourmet Burgers. And in it, he told a couple of horror stories about churches and their sacred cows. You know what a sacred cow is? Something that's in that church building that nobody's going to touch. It's never going to be removed. It's never going to be messed with. Churches are sometimes determined to do things the way they've always been done, whether they have a good reason to or not. For example, he told about a church that was over 100 years old, and it had been declining in membership for the last 30 or 40 years, but they still were a sizable congregation. They had about 400 in worship. And over the last few years, a lot of young couples had been moving into the area and had been buying homes and, and uh, settling in. And two or three of these young couples came to church, and they joined, they joined the church. And after they did, they asked the church if they could provide a better nursery. It seems that in the good old days, at the height of the church's history, when they were filling every seat and putting folding chairs in the aisles, the nursery was right across from the sanctuary. But 30 years ago, when things were starting to slow down, unless people were coming, they moved it to the basement. And for the past 10 years, it had been closed. It was now being used as a storage room, and it was damp, and it was musty, and it didn't smell so good down there. So the young couples approached the pastor and asked about starting a nursery and bringing it back upstairs where it uh, would be nearby and where uh, it, it wouldn't be in the, in the damp, musty basement, and also about providing a, a sitter, a paid sitter. Well, the pastor tells them that, well, we've got to talk to the trustee committee because what, they, what, what you want to do involves the use of the facilities, so we're going to have to get the, that, them up to okay it. And we're also going to have to talk to the finance committee because uh, this involves money, so the couples just kind of go, okay. Well, the trustees say that the nursery could be started, but it had to stay in the basement because years ago the, the women's uh, organization had started to use the old nursery as a, as a parlor. And they really don't use it much anymore, but they've put a lot of money into, it making, into making it into a, a really lovely parlor. And so the finance committee 
said they couldn't authorize any funds for a paid sitter because the members didn't need a paid sitter when their kids were young. Well, the nursery is set up once again in the basement. But a few things are still stored in one corner of the nursery. The basement is still damp. The carpet is still a stained mess. And the young couples offer to spend their own money to fix it up, to decorate it, and to pay a sitter themselves. But the board says, no, we, we don't encourage designated giving here. You'd have to put the money into the general fund, and we, we don't encourage that. Two years and lots and lots of new couples later, the church keeps declining and growing older. And the few young couples that were members have moved on to a church with a more friendly environment, which was willing to provide them with a nice, safe, dry, healthy nursery. William Eason writes this, quote, a report came to me from the defeated pastor that the church leadership was convinced that they had done the right thing by refusing to spend the money to move the nursery and pay a sitter. After all, those young couples weren't committed enough in the first place or they wouldn't have left. Holy cow. Holy sacred cow. Somebody needs to hold a barbecue and cook that cow. Remember the seven last words of the church. Either six or seven. There are two that we... Oh, there goes. I hope I don't need that. There, there are either six or seven. The, the one we laugh about around here the most is we've always done it that way. And then there's we've never done it like that before. The Pharisees were good people. They were actually some of the best people in the community. They were just attached to their traditions. And the sad thing was it kept them from being effective in reaching people. The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat with defiled hands? They didn't understand. I think that personally that Jesus was a little harsh with them. He said, Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites. These people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Wow, that's, that's pretty harsh. But put yourself in his place. Jesus was trying to help people see God in a new way. So naturally, the people who questioned him the most were the people who could only see God in an old way. No doubt that Jesus would have the same problem today if he were walking this earth right now. May I suggest Jesus does have that same problem today. He will always be an upsetter of the status quo because God is always calling us to something new and different. Things are changing. God is always doing a new thing in our lives because God is continuing to help us see new realities 
It is a new world. Things are different than they used to be. In his book, The Reputation of the Church, G. Avery Lee named four diseases which strike many churches. One, sleeping sickness, the disease of a church that falls asleep in the midst of possibilities for ministry. Two, cirrhosis of the giver, the money problem of a church that practices poor stewardship and limits its ministry. Three, hardening of the harderies, the disease of the heart that causes a church to lose its compassion and its concern for those who are in need. And four, spiritual myopia, the lack of vision that keeps the church from seeing the long-term possibilities for a ministry. Heaven help us if we have any of these diseases. Could also add a fifth, traditionitis, an obsession with where we've been, an obsession with the good old days that blocks our view of where we're going and what lies ahead and how exciting it can be. And this can also be true of me and of you as individuals. Is God trying to do a new thing in our life? Is God challenging some of our old prejudices and asking us to reevaluate a little bit? Is God telling us that we have gotten a little too comfortable with the status quo, that God has more to show us in the meaning of discipleship? Once there was a farmer who refused to improve himself. His pastor would encourage him and would try to convince him, but the man just wouldn't change. His response was always the same to the pastor. He said, I'm not making much progress, but I'm well established. Well, one day the pastor was driving past his farm, and he saw the farmer's tractor stuck in the mud. No matter what he did, mud flew, and the tractor was pretty well stuck, and it stayed put. After he gave it one more try and was no better off, he started cussing up a storm. And at that point, the pastor rolled down his window, and he hollered out to the man, Well, you're not making much progress, but you're pretty well established. That was the problem with the Pharisees in our story. They were really good people. The problem was that they were well established, too well established. And that could only happen, that could happen to any of us if our faith is not alive. Our relationship with God is not living and breathing and taking place every day. God wants to open up new possibilities for us as individuals and us as a church. God always wants us, no matter how well we're doing, to move to higher ground. Let's open our hearts to the possibilities that might be waiting. Amen.